Today on CityCast Denver. Beer fanatics, this is your weekend. The Great American Beer Fest explodes across downtown Denver, and all of your favorite breweries will be there. Well, at least they have been. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens now with the pandemic. But people come to town and they, they want to eat, they want to drink, and, and it's a, I think it's just a, a big deal for the city. The Colorado beer man himself, Jonathan Shikes, joins me to dig into the state of the local craft brew scene and mark 40 years of GABF. Has this thing gotten too big for its fermenters? Will the demise of the Falling Rock Tap House spell an end to the GABF magic? Will there be like a thousand too many hazy IPAs to choose from? Jonathan started homebrewing as a teen, has tasted thousands of local brews, and literally wrote the book on Denver beer. He's here to help me navigate the GABF madness from an expert beer man's POV. Today is Thursday, October 6th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Jonathan Shikes, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you very much. So Great American Beer Fest is back this weekend after two years away because obviously the pandemic. But I wanted to talk to you about what this like means for the local beer community. What does Great American Beer Fest mean to you, Jonathan? Great American Beer Festival for me has just been um, such a great touch point to, to watch the beer industry change over the years. Um, it's a great way for me to go and find out what's going on breweries in the rest of the country. It's a great way for me to see people I haven't seen in a long time. Even before the pandemic, uh, you run into everyone there. Uh, so th- that has always been, it's always been just a great, uh, a great place and a great way to, to see people and, and to connect. So Great American Beer Fest is 40 years old. And I'm wondering, as someone that has covered beer here for a long time, what has the fest's impact been on the craft brewing community here in Colorado? I think it's been huge. It was founded in Boulder in 1982, and then it moved to Denver a few years later, and it bounced around a little bit. It was at the Merchandise Mart, which is now torn down, I believe. I think so. <laughs> yeah. It was at the old uh, Kurrigan Hall, also torn down, and now at the convention center. For Denver, you know, the, the Falling Rock Tap House, which was open for 24 years, which was founded by uh, Chris Black, he was from Texas. And the, the reason he came here to open his craft beer bar was because of the Great American Beer Festival, because it took place here. And it's just it put Denver on the map, not just in, the, in this country, but around the world as, as a destination for, for beer. That's so interesting. And I know that you've written about the Falling Rock Tap House. I mean, it's closed. And that was sort of a concern for a lot of folks because it was like one of those meeting points for people coming to the Beer Fest, coming to Denver every year. Can you tell me more about what made that space so special? Um, A lot of it had to do with Chris Black, the owner himself. He had a lot of connections before he came here, and he encouraged breweries from around the country to bring their best stuff or things that you couldn't get in Colorado and to serve it at his bar, and and people would come in to try it. So that's, that's where brewers from out of state would come. They would come to meet with him, and it would be the first stop that they would go to. And also for locals, you could go there knowing you were going to find something that you probably hadn't tried before and that you might run into some cool people to, to, to talk to. Um, and his personality, he has a big, he had a big personality. So that, that was a part of, um, what made Falling Rock, uh, so special. And also, you know, 85 taps of no macro brews, no Coors, no Miller, no Bud, all, all craft beer. 
And at the time, I mean, 24 years ago, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, that was a huge deal, especially in Denver, which is a Coors town where there was almost, there was no other craft beer around. It was really hard to find. Maybe you could get it at the Cherry Cricket. Maybe you could find it at Old Chicago. Maybe you could find it at my brother's bar. Other than that, the, there just wasn't, there wasn't a place to find craft beer. That's so wild to me because I'm just thinking about, you know, you and I grew up here and like you're saying, you yeah. know, it's a Coors town. But now I think about, I go into like literally any restaurant and they're like, we have a high hazy whatever and a da 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 da. And I'm like, this is just a restaurant. This isn't <laughs> even a brewery. I mean, I think, could you talk about how you think that the festival's impact has changed Denver? Yeah, it has. You know, in 2010, I still remember writing a story when um, the restaurant Euclid Hall opened which is also now closed. But at that point, you could count almost the, the beer bars and the handles that they had. And I wrote a story saying that Denver's going to go from having, you know, 150 craft handles to like 250 craft handles over, you know, in the next year. And it was, you know, it was a huge deal um, because there just weren't that many places. And, and you're right, now there, now there are. Any place you go into has got to, if it doesn't have a local list of some sort, you know, I mean, I know I scoff, <laughs> but I think other people, you know, do um, to some degree too. You, you know, you have to have a local list and the number of events that go on around the Great American Beer Festival now, there's there's beer bars, there's a, you know, a wide variety of beer bars, plus just restaurants that want to get involved and they've got tap lists and everyone pays attention. People are in town. Well, at least they have been, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens now with the pandemic. But people come to town and they, they want to eat, they want to drink. And and it's a, I think it's just a, a big deal for the city. Speaking of this growth, um, Great American Beer Fest started in 1982, 22 breweries, 40 different beers, under a thousand attendees. In recent years, it's really popped at like 800 breweries and thousands of beers and tens of thousands of people coming to the city. But I wonder, as someone that's sort of on the inside of it, as watching it as a person in Denver that's also just been watching the beer scene, how does that growth feel to you? Well, uh, the Great American Beer Festival itself has gotten a little unwieldy, I think. Imagine anything that you love, go you know, walking into a festival and there being, you know, thousands of, of choices of things to, you know, things to try. Like if it were a film festival and there were thousands of movies you could watch, you know, it would be... It would be tough. I think the organizers need to make some changes, especially now. You know, I've written stories in the past about what I thought those some of those changes could be, but I'm not sure that you know those ideas were, were necessarily relevant now either. But uh, things need to be smaller. I think things need to be more intimate. There needs to be more choice in terms of the events that you can participate in. They may need to go and have smaller events in other parts of the country. Unless you are a true diehard, there hasn't been much to really. I don't think attract, uh, you know, new kinds of people or, or more people. So I, I, speaking of that, I read in Axios Denver this week that Great American Beer Fest is n not selling out and that many top breweries have opted not to participate in and instead sort of host their own side events. And mm -hmm. I think it speaks to what you're talking about, which is like almost too much choice. But what do you what do you think is going on? Is it just like there was just they've oversaturated their own festival? A little bit. Some of the younger, hipper breweries got frustrated with the festival, you know, about, I don't know, six or eight years ago and, and just decided they didn't want to be a part of that scene. It was too messy. 
it's expensive to participate in. If you're coming from out of state, you obviously have to fly in your team. There was a lot of rules and they just didn't feel like being a part of it. They felt like for their companies, a more effective strategy was to come in and partner up with a local brewery or a local beer bar or restaurant and have a smaller event or to be a part of a smaller festival that was going on where they could better connect with um, potential customers, people who like their beer, um, the rest of the beer community. So you started seeing some of the breweries that people really wanted to try, not actually at the festival, but at restaurants and beer bars around town. Um, this year, it's even more so, I think, because the breweries in other parts of the country are still recovering from uh, the financial effects of the pandemic, and they didn't want to fly out. So this year in particular is very heavily weighted towards Colorado and California breweries. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Do you think that this sort of boom in Colorado for craft breweries is over or or what do you think this says about the state of the craft brewing community here in Colorado? I don't think it's over. I mean, I think people have been predicting its demise for quite a while, uh, that it was a fad, that that it would disappear, that Denver couldn't sustain that many breweries. I think in, in a lot of ways, breweries have taken over as your local bar, your neighborhood bar. There seems like there's fewer of those and more breweries. That's part of what has happened. But, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of a settling out that's going on and craft beer is becoming just a part of the scene. It's just a part of everything that is around. I don't know that people go running out to chase the latest brewery uh, or, or what, whatever's opening. Um, they're more interested in having a place in their neighborhood, but there are a lot of neighborhoods. So I think um, there are going to still be a lot of breweries. Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm a person that doesn't drink, but one of my favorite breweries is Raices because they have music, they have different food trucks every week. There's, you know, they have a great patio. And I'm now thinking like, oh, this is what would be the equivalent of my neighborhood bar, but it just happens to be a brewery. Yeah, and that's what's happening. And and some of them, they're starting to have more choices for gluten-free folks, as well as for people who don't drink. I know Raices has a, a really good malt flavored beverage that's non-alcoholic. I don't know how often they make it, but they had it around and it it tastes sort of like <laughs> beer. Um I guess it's a, it's similar to something they give kids in certain Latin American countries, um, but it tastes like malt and um, it's a little bit sugary, but it's non-alcoholic. So, you know, breweries are trying to cater to a wider variety of people with, you know, a different, different kinds of beverages. Well, and thinking about a product like that 20 years ago, I can't imagine introducing that to the Denver market when, you know, the thing we thought of, or, you know, like a person like me, average person out 
in downtown, a brewery to me was like Wincoop. But now breweries are catering to such specific clientele. So maybe that's sort of like the bonus to it is we have all these options. It's crazy. Yeah. It is. It is crazy. And I know you've got, I know <laughs> there's a lot of people in, in Denver and possibly you've been one in the past who are like, oh, good, great. Another brewery. That's just what we, <laughs> that's just what we need. No, I mean, it does feel like an oversaturation kind of like with the dispensary situation where it's like, yeah. oh, there's a dispensary four on my block or whatever. Um, but I also, Jonathan, thinking about this again, we grew up here. What do you think the growth of something like the craft brew industry in Colorado or in Denver says about us as a city. Like to me, it kind of mirrors what we've been through. Yeah. I mean, things have definitely, I, you know, when I go out driving or I don't go out driving anymore because it sucks, I can't get across town, you know, and, and I, you know, I just, uh, and then if I do, I get lost because I, you know, I don't know where I am because I don't know where I am. I lost my landmarks, you know, so I know I sound like old, you know, old guy, which <laughs> I guess I am. But as far as the breweries are concerned, there's been a lot more that have gone out into into specific neighborhoods and they're not canning their beer. They're not trying to get out in front of everybody. They just want to be there for the locals. There are some breweries that are trying to conquer the, the world still, um, local ones, and those have they've grown rapidly like the city has grown rapidly but there are still pockets of places where you can be that you can feel at home and you can be comfortable so i think in the last 10 years it's given denver a, a new thing to be known for you know I, I i used to always joke that denver and colorado were known for the three johns which were john elway john denver and and john whatever the guy's name was who shot ronald reagan oh. I thought you were going to say Hickenlooper, but that was, this is way, this is pre-Hickenlooper. Yeah, this is pre-Hickenlooper. Those are like the three <laughs> most famous people from, from Denver. And, uh, you know, that and Vale and Aspen were, you know, what people thought about when they thought about Denver and Colorado. And now obviously there's, there's pot and, um, and there's craft beer and there, hopefully there's a lot of other things, but, but beer <laughs> is definitely up there. I think it was John Hinckley Jr. That's who it was. Yeah. John Hinckley Jr. Thank you. <laughs> what, a bu- what a huge bummer. So Great American Beer Fest is this weekend. Is there anything that you're excited for? Is there a brewery that's coming here or uh, I, I don't know, just something that you're looking forward to in this year's Great American Beer Fest? There's a couple places that I, you know, that I like to hang out uh, because they they have beers from from other parts of the country, which are what's the most fun for me to try anyway. And you know, Hops and Pie over on Tennyson Street is one of those places. Walters 303 in Uptown is another place that has a great tap list. Uh, Finn's Manor on Larimer, they bring in a lot of fun stuff. I may go hang out at Cerebral for a while, and I may hang out at a, a new brewery called Cohesion, which is up in um, near 40th and York in the former um, Army Medical Depot that was completely renovated into a you know business park. And they're up there. I think a lot of people are going to be coming to town. They've made a name for themselves outside of Colorado, and I think if I sit around there, I'll run into some people I haven't seen in a, in a while, too. So I'm excited to just go and hang out a little bit. I'm not going to be as aggressive uh, as I've been in the past, I've I've traveled. I've had a lot of beers now, and and <laughs> you know I think I'm I think I'm good. I don't need to try every every new beer now that that comes out anymore. <laughs> so hanging out, hanging out, and, and visiting with friends is is more uh, more what I'm into this this time around. Jonathan Shikes, thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for having me on, Bria. I appreciate it. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. 
The Sand Creek Massacre historic site will double in size to cover more than 6,500 acres. The eastern Colorado site marks the unprovoked attack and murder of hundreds of members of the Northern Cheyenne, Northern Arapaho, and Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes, many of them women and children, by U.S. soldiers in 1864. The Denver Post reports that the site expansion will support efforts to preserve prairie wildlife and ecosystems, help better understand historic interpretations of the event, and provide more space for recreational activities. And finally, the governor's race has gone to the dogs, or cats, or furries? I still don't understand what's happening with Republican candidate Heidi Ganahl and her weird furry obsession. But we're going to dig into this one more tomorrow, so stay tuned. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell your favorite brewmaster about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell your favorite brewery about us? <laughs> I hate the word brewery. It's like so hard to say. Uh, your favorite brewmaster. <laughs>